0: I've had this message on my heart for quite a while, and you know, I was talking to the Lord about it. And I, you know, you say, "God, these people—they know this already. This, this, is, these are scriptures they hear all the time." And you know, the Lord said to me, "Yes, but you need to hear them again because sometimes you kind of take them for granted. You get used to them, and you let them slip." And I know in my own life, even though I know them, I don't always go by them, (laughs) as I found when I was preparing this. And so um, I just think it's a really, really important message, if not for anybody here, for people out there. And it really helped me when I was preparing this as well to uh, fix some areas of my life. I'll just put it that way. So um, within the cat past couple of weeks, I heard an old song called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Do you remember that one? <laughs> that was from 1988. I can't believe it was that long ago. But um, it was a catchy little tune with a nice message. Yep. And some people, I think, liked the song, some people didn't because, you know, it's not that easy to turn off the worry and turn on the happy, you know, even though we'd love to do that. And sometimes you can do it for a short period of time if your things are going pretty good, but you can't just live there all the time, or it seems like you can't anyways. And so it's frustrating for people. So tonight I'm going to be talking about don't worry, be happy God's way, because God has a way for us. And I know this is something that was, uh, in my own life, a big stronghold was fear, worry, and anxiety. And so God had to teach me how to deal with it because I lived with it for a long time. I was just, I could say, born that way. (laughs) But from the time I was very young, I had fear, worry, and anxiety. And so I just thought it was normal. You know, that's how people live. But he, ch- he showed me different, but I had to go through a few things before I figured that out. But let's start with a scripture that tells us how to deal with fear. And uh, this is a well-known one, but it's First John chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 16. Yeah, you probably already know this one, but it's good. <laughs> And it says, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. This is the verse I want to look at. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So the antidote for fear in all its forms is a revelation of the love of God for you. And sometimes we know that God is love and that he loves us, but we don't really know it. You know what I mean? You know it, but you don't know it. That's why we're worried all the time, because we don't believe it. So if we want to, to get a revelation of the love of God, one of the things we can do is just pray for it. You know, last time I was here, I was talking about prayer, just asking God for things. And so in Ephesians 3, which is one of those scriptures we look at a lot, and I know Pastor Nancy loves to teach on these, Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14... There is a prayer that Paul gives us so that we can pray for a revelation of the love of God. And I won't say I pray this every day, but pretty regularly because I need this and I pray it for you guys and my family. It's a wonderful prayer. So starting in verse 14... It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family and heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So we can pray and ask, and we should believe that God's going to give us revelation of his love. And you don't always feel it, but it's good to remember that God loves us and that he is for us. And that is one of the ways to deal with fear. Another way, um, it's just to have a look at the words of Jesus to us about this. Let's go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1. So the um, context of this, this is the Last Supper, and Jesus is having his last words with his disciples. And he's been telling them, on more than one occasion, that he is going to be going to the cross, but he's going to rise again from the dead. But they didn't really understand it, or maybe they didn't want to hear that, because that's probably not what they signed up for. They thought things were going to turn out differently than than this. So Jesus knew that, and so he said to them, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. So just looking there, we see one way to to deal with a troubled heart or fear, worry, and anxiety is to believe in God, to believe in Jesus. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So he's giving them hope here. He's giving them a future here. This isn't the end. And then let's just go down to verse 27 in the same chapter. And Jesus said to them again, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So again, he's, he's giving them his peace and saying, don't be troubled. And, you know, sometimes we say, well, that's easy for you to say. You know, you're not dealing with what I'm dealing with. But it's not impossible if he says we can do it. And his peace and his presence and his promises are great enough. You know, we forget that. We, I, You know, even this week, I found myself meditating <laughs> On things I shouldn't be meditating on. And I have to stop myself and say, no, that's not God. And so we have to learn to take control over the thoughts in our mind because that's where we get attacked. And so this was reminding me of all of this that Jesus' will for us is peace and not to be troubled. His disciples were going to face something very difficult. We may be facing things that are very difficult but he's still speaking peace to us. He says, don't be troubled. Now let's go to John chapter 20. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. And some people, some of the women, and I think uh, some disciples have come to the disciples that are hiding, that they have seen Jesus, but they don't believe them. So verse 19 then the same day, that would have been the resurrection day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. So he's still the peace, speaking peace to them. And let us go down to verse 26 in the same chapter. And after eight days... Again, his disciples were within, they were hiding, they were in fear. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing." So believing is another way. Having faith and trust is another way to deal with fear. Trusting in God and his word and the things he said to us. I was looking up the word in the New Testament in the Strong's Dictionary, and it was, I was looking up peace, which is Irene in the Greek, and this was one of the definitions. I thought it was pretty good. It says, the tranquil state of soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort it is. And I was thinking back, you know, when we first got saved, if you can remember when that was, I remember it. You know, when you come to the Lord, you probably have some fears and worries and concerns. Maybe that's one of the reasons you came to the Lord to begin with. And when you receive him, it's just like everything changes. You think, what can possibly go wrong now? I've got the Lord in my life. And I remember thinking that way when I first got saved. And, you know, nothing bothered me. I just trusted God. It was just that simple childlike faith But, you know, after a while, (laughs) you have to live life every day, and you run into things, and you kind of... I did. I kind of lost my peace, you know, that simple trust. But that's what it is. It's that simple trust, even when it looks like everything is falling apart, just trusting him. We, We don't have to figure it all out. We just have to trust him. Now, I want to go and look at Proverbs 4. I know that we look at this scripture a lot. Proverbs 4 verse, verses 20 to 23. And I don't think a week goes by that I don't hear somebody talking about this scripture. It's that important. But I wanted to just take a good look at it tonight. Because it's a key. It's a key to everything in life. So starting at verse 20, It says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, I just wanted to look at this in a little bit more detail. I was looking up some of these words in the, in the Hebrew, and it just brought such great emphasis to this scripture. And maybe it's one of those ones that we tend to take for granted because we hear it so often. But the writer, I guess would be Solomon, is writing in the imperative. He's giving us commands, really, here as to what we should do. So he said, my son, attend to my words. So the word attend in the um, strong, in the Hebrew, and if I pronounce some of these words wrong, please forgive me, but I'm going to do my best, is koshab. And it means hearken, heed, incline of ears, pay attention, listen. And So it's not like a casual word, a casual listening. And then incline. It says, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Incline is the word nata, to stretch out, extend, turn, bend, bow. It takes effort. So you're, you almost see yourself, you know, listening in to hear something. So he's talking about our ears here, really listening and paying attention with our ears. And we do so by hearing the word Like right now, we're hearing the words, so our ears are taking it in. Our physical ears are, but we know we've got spiritual ears too, so our spiritual ears need to take it in and not just to, you know, slough it off and think about what you're going to have for a snack when you get home, you know? (laughs) And the word ear is ozen, and one of the definitions I found interesting, it said the receiver of divine revelation. So that's what we're after. We're, we're listening to hear something that's really going to speak to us to make a difference in our lives. Now, in verse 21, he says, let them, the word, not depart from thine eyes. So now he's involving our eyes and our physical eyes can read the word of God but again, we're taking it into our spiritual eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. I looked up the word keep, and it's shamar, and it's the same word that's used in Genesis 2.15, where God instructed Adam to keep the garden. So he's instructing us to keep the garden of our hearts. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. And the word for heart is lebab, and it means mind, understanding, inner man, soul, knowledge, thinking, seed of appetites, emotions, passions, courage. It's really the very center of our being. It's the part of us that really counts. And so God is always looking to touch our hearts, but he's coming in through our senses, like our seeing and hearing, and it's coming in to our spiritual eyes and ears, into our hearts. Verse 22 says, For they are life unto those who find them. Well, in order to find them, you have to hear them and give attention to them. And the word for life is kali, and it means living, alive, green, flowing, fresh, lively, active, reviving. It's just not... Like being a bump on a log and just sitting there, but you're alive, I think Pastor Paul was talking about this a couple of weeks ago that God wants us to have his life and really be living. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and she's in her late seventies, and she is just a going concern this lady, you know she what I love about her is she's as long as I've known her she's she'll tell me, I don't have enough money to live on, and yet she just trusts God to look after her, and she finds things to do where she can make money. She has gifts and experience and talents, and that's what she uses, and she is she's enjoying herself, and she gets to work with young people, and uh, she gets to share the Lord with them, too. So, she is just enjoying life. So many people are shutting down at that age, but she's such an inspiration. And young people like to be around her because she's so full of life. You know? I'm one of the older people she hangs out with sometimes. But, you know, that's, I just admire her so much because she doesn't worry about stuff. She's learned not to worry. Maybe sometimes, but most of the time she's just having a good time and enjoying life. Verse 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Oh, I think in the verse before that, I forgot a very important line. For they are life unto those who find them, the word of God, and health to all their flesh. So the word of God is healing to our bodies. It's life to our flesh. And that's really important. There's a lot of scriptures that tell us that. I think it's Psalm 107, 20 says, God sent his word and healed them. And I like to think that God sent his word, Jesus, and healed us. Because he, he did that for us on the cross. Okay, verse 23. Now keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And the word issues, it Okay shaa, and it means borders, going out, escape, going forth. So I, I kind of picture this like a spring of water that's spurting out water. You know, it's coming out of our hearts because we put the word in and that's what's coming out. And those are the issues of our life that reflects what is in us. And as believers, we want to issue out the life of Christ from our lives and be a light in this world. Now, I think the New Testament version of this is the parable of the sower. So let's go to the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, because this is just such an awesome parable. I love it. And it's found in in three of the gospels, and it's good to read it in all three. I'm not going to make you do that tonight. (laughs) So Matthew 13, I'm going to start at verse 9. And so Jesus has just told the parable of the sower. And he says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So here's that same idea. Listen up. This is important. And so the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, that would be the religious leaders, it is not. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. So he's sort of comparing the disciples to the religious leaders. The disciples wanted to know, what the parable meant so they were going after it and jesus said you already have and i'm going to give you more but the religious leaders they thought they knew it all they didn't want to learn anything from jesus so they were they had their ears closed their eyes shut and they weren't receiving anything and jesus goes on to say in verse 13 therefore i speak to them in parables because They seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. So their hearts are not benefiting from hearing anything. Their hearts are hardened. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, And their hearts are dull of hearing. Their ears they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. And I thought, that is so sad. Um you know the Lord he wants us to see he wants us to hear he wants to touch our hearts so that we can be converted and healed that right. they're missing out on so much and and we can think you know those of us maybe who got saved later in life of all those years we wasted because our hearts were hard and we weren't listening and we wanted to be healed yeah. we wanted to be converted but we didn't know that <laughs> But somehow God in his mercy got through to us, and as a result, when we let him in, we started to see things we never saw before, because you have to be born again to see these things. And we began to hear things, and our hearts are continually, in one sense, being converted. As, as we receive the word and receive revelation and understanding, they're constantly being converted. And we're constantly receiving healing as a result in our minds, in our bodies. So I find that very sad for them. But we can decide what kind of soil we want to be. Amen. So let's go to another place where the, we see the um, parable of the sower. And that this would be Luke chapter 8. And we're going to start at verse 11. So this, this isn't too long, but I'm just going to read the parable. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away." And that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to perfection. So one of the weeds are cares, and that would just be another way of saying fear, worry, and anxiety. How many times do we let the cares of life choke out the word in our life? But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, bring forth fruit with patience. And so that's where we want to be, because we are the keepers of the garden of our hearts. And we can choose to have an honest and good heart and hear and listen and consider and meditate what the word is saying to us. And The person with the good and honest heart is one who hears the word, they keep it, and then they bring forth fruit with patience. So patience is required, because when you plant a seed in the ground, there is seed, time, and harvest. So time is involved in this. It's it's just something we do every day, and over time, we learn to walk in peace, and I know since God dealt with me years ago, I have a lot less fear and anxiety in, in my life than I did back in those days. And so as we ha- talked about the prayer in Ephesians for a revelation of the love of God, we can also just pray for revelation in general. That's found in Ephesians 1. We can have a quick look at that. Um You know, if Pastor Nancy were here, she'd be telling you to pray these every day. Ephesians 1, just start at verse 15. And when we pray it, sometimes when you pray things every day, again, it becomes a routine. You don't even think about it. But really, what Paul is instructing here is to pray for revelation and understanding. So he says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So we can pray for this revelation as we read the word. I like to do that when I read it, pray this beforehand for myself and you guys and my family, (laughs) some of my friends, and I pray that we have revelation, because without that understanding, it just doesn't do us any good. But sometimes it takes a while. I know I've prayed for understanding for some scriptures, it seems like for years, I just didn't get them. It's hard to believe at one time, but... (laughs) But it took a while, but then one day the light bulb goes on, you know, in a moment. After you've heard it for the 30th time, the light bulb goes on. So it's good to pray for revelation. That might speed things up a little bit, you know, if we do that. Now, here's a scripture that really helped me. This is where God got me when he was taking me out of fear and worry. I was just walking down the street worrying like I usually did. Back in the day, and I thought it was my responsibility to fix everything and everybody. So I was walking down the street and I wasn't feeling good. And I, I said, Lord, why don't I feel good? And he said, Well, look at what you're thinking about. And so he brought a scripture to my remembrance. I actually, I probably didn't even know I knew this scripture, but he brought it to me anyways. It was 2 Corinthians. Chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. We all know this one. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So my stronghold was fear, worry, and anxiety. It was in my mind. And then he goes on to say, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So right then, uh, just walking down the street, God was speaking to me, and he said, you cannot allow these thoughts in your mind. He says, it's not your responsibility to figure everything out and fix everybody. You can't do it. And you know, to tell you the truth, that was a relief to hear that. It was a big relief. And so I at that point, I started... Practicing saying no to thoughts and replacing them with God's thoughts. And I still have to do it today. I mean, I had to do it today because crazy things go through our minds all the time, don't they? I think, you know, I don't know who said it. I've heard Kenneth Hagan said this, but I don't know that you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. So those birds, those negative thoughts, and circumstances that can be very real that are in your face are talking to you but sometimes i just have to say no just say no and then replace it with something from the word of god so we ha- we have to get to know the word of god and get some good scriptures as ammunition and one of the best things we can do for ourselves in all of this is to renew our minds so let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. You know, there's so many people, so many Christians that don't, don't know to do this. They're not taught to renew their minds, but this is huge. It's a game changer. So let's start at verse 17. So Paul is saying, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So, this is like taking every thought captive. We're putting off the old man. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness. So as we read the word, as we take it in, we learn what we put off and we learn what to put on. And so that's just a daily practice. Put it off, the old man, all that negative stuff and put on the new man. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us this as well. I'm not going to go there because we hear that one a lot, <laughs> but it is so good. And it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve God's perfect, acceptable, good, acceptable, and perfect will. So in order to unknow the will of God, we have to renew our minds and not listen to the world because there's so much going on out there right now. You know, we have our own issues that we're dealing with, and then there's all those issues we hear about out there in the world. You know, it's, that's very unsettling. And there's a lot, I would say probably a lot more people with fear and anxiety now than ever before. I mean, I just tonight listening a little bit on the news about kids in high school dealing with anxiety and depression. You know, it's so prevalent with young people. It's kind of scary. And I think, partly because we've left God out of the picture, and partly, too, because we hear about everything in real time now. Like, we know about all the bad stuff going on on the other side of the world, and then it affects us, you know? And sometimes we have to know these things, you know? We can't ignore them, but God will help us to deal with them, even if we don't even know where to begin. If we ask him, he will help us. And here's a good way to begin. Let's go to Philippians 4. Familiar scripture, but it is so good. It's like one of my favorite go to scriptures because I use it a lot. So, Philippians 4, starting at verse 4. So, here's a way to deal with fear, worry, and anxiety. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, so rejoice. (laughs) Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. So we rejoice, we pray about it, and we thank God for it. when, When we pray. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So even before we get the answer, we just cast our care onto the Lord, so to speak, through prayer, and we're thankful. This helps to change our hearts so that we can have some peace when we've given it over to him. And then there may be a waiting time before we get the answer. So what do we do while we're waiting? We do verse 8. It says, think on these things. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So what we think about is so important because we're tempted to think about the bad stuff that we, we may be dealing with. But God doesn't want us to think on that. We can think about his word, his promises, yeah. his love, his goodness for us, and just be thankful. Now, I've got, I've got all kinds of things. I'll just share one more and then I'll bring it to a close. Let's go to Matthew 6, because this is an, an area where a lot of us have fear. When I, when I look at this scripture, I think of um, this new word we have nowadays called food insecurity. Is, that's a new phrase. I don't think we, we ever used to say that before, but I hear it now all the time, because things are so expensive. People are living in tents. I mean, things are difficult for people. And it, it could be for believers as well. Things are difficult for them. But we have a recourse here. We don't have to fall prey to fear, even if we don't have enough. Okay, it's, it's, I'm going to have to use the real Bible because it just decided it's going to stop on me. <laughs> okay, Matthew 6 and... Verse 25, (laughs) going to go to 25, and these are the words of Jesus here. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on it. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And the answer is yes. (laughs) Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, is, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not more clothe you, o, o ye of little faith? So faith is required. Therefore, take no thought saying. This is where we get into trouble. We take thoughts, and then we say them. We've all done that. But we can ask for forgiveness and, and change our confession Don't say, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added added unto you. So that's what I've been talking about tonight. We're going to put God and his word first. And that is part of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we're in that place, even if it looks like we got nothing and no hope, we can trust God, we can ask him to look after us, to help us, to show us a way out, and he will. And I like verse 34. This one, I really need to pay attention to you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So easy to worry about tomorrow. We can plan for tomorrow, but we're not supposed to worry about it. And I had to practice that all week. Every day this week, I had to, <laughs> I had to practice, don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself, you know. I mean, I made some preparations, but it'll take care of itself. And that's true of tomorrow and the day after and the day after. So he's asking us to trust him. So I'm going to just, I think, end at this point with a couple scriptures from 1 Thessalonians 5. I did have more, but then I would be, you guys would be walking out on me, so... (laughs) I'm going to First Thessalonians. It's one of those books that's kind of hiding in there. First okay. Thessalonians five, and Paul here is talking about the last days, and they have worries and concerns about the last days. These Thessalonians, and so do a lot of people right now because of things that are going on in the world, and how they. I mean, there are things going on in the world, and they may be far away, but they're affecting us. The world is shaking right now because of some of the stuff that's going on. And so it can cause a lot of people's hearts to be troubled, just world events, you know. So Paul is talking to the Thessalonians about this. And I'm going to start in verse 8. He says, But let us who are of the day be sober." putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation for God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's so good to know. We're not appointed to wrath. Even if we have trouble in this world and, and Jesus said, we will that in the life to come, it's going to be great. There's going to be no wrath. But I like this, he said, put on the breastplate of faith and love. Now, in Ephesians, we read that it's the breastplate of righteousness, and we have the shield of faith. But here he's talking about the breastplate of faith and love, which is protecting our hearts. It's protecting that love of God that we're receiving a revelation of and that faith that we have in him and his word. So these are pieces of our armor that will really help us faith and love, and then a helmet for the hope of salvation, which protects our minds, and having hope. You know, it's called the, the um, helmet of salvation in Ephesians, but here it's the hope of salvation, and hope is so important for our minds. You know, we need to know that we have a hope in the future to keep us at peace. So many people don't have that. And so how important it is to keep that helmet on, because we have a hope, because we're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. So further on in chapter 5, we find three little verses. I think these are Pastor Nancy's favorites, these ones here. Verse 16, so this is what we do. We rejoice evermore. 17, we pray without ceasing. 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I think I talked about this last time I was here, that, or maybe the time before, but you can know the will of God just by doing these three things, rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. And it's, it's hard to do sometimes, but it is a way to deal with the weight and the burden of guilt and worry and fear. And I'm going to finish with a prayer at the in verse 23 and 24. I think this is one of Anne Wood's favorite scriptures. And it says the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. So it's good to know that we don't have to do this all by himself. He's faithful. If we trust him to be faithful, he will do it. And I trust that he will do it for all of us. As we put his word first and take it in, be hearers of the word and doers of the word as well.